HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This is Severin, your host, on this episode of Greenhorns Radio, which is once again brought to you on Heritage Radio Network, sponsored by Hearst Family Ranch. And in this instance, it is an interview uh, on the other coast from what we're usually familiar with, which is called Washington State. And we have Clayton Burroughs, who's the director of Growing Washington, a really fabulous nonprofit organization which supports sustainable agriculture in oh so many ways. Clayton, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Well, it's wonderful. I've been exploring around on this website of yours, growingwashington.org, and um, as I am currently on Vashon Island and growing in the state of Washington, um, it's incredibly relevant. Tell me, um, how, how long has this program been going, and, and what's, your, what's your history? Well, uh, Growing Washington... Um is a 501c3 nonprofit that was incorporated in 2003. Um, at its most basic level, it's um, an organization comprised of young uh, and Latino farmers who together uh, run several small farms throughout western Washington. So think of that as the, the west side of the Cascades. And um, so incorporated in 2003, and you know since that time, we've steadily increased both our production as far as the number of acres, the diversity of crops, and the number of outlets uh, where we sell our food, and also our programming. So in addition to uh, growing a substantial amount of food, we have a number of community programs, which uh, maybe I can talk to you about a little bit later on when, in our conversation. Um, but our basic mission is to uh, raise, move, represent, and grow food and farmers in Washington State. Right now, there's about 51, well, there's exactly 51 of us, uh, and it's a fair mix between what I call new generation farmers, which are folks, you know, 20-somethings, uh, people that didn't really grow up on a farm but have uh, a desire to learn. But as people uh, increasingly become, say, more distance from food and more distance from farm farms, and as our country becomes more 
urban, very few people have access to the, you know, the necessary tools to run a successful farming operation. And so what we've been able to su- successfully do is kind of meld this new, this new energy from the, the younger generation with the, the, the drive and the thriftiness and, you know, the hard work and the, um, just strong values of the Latino folks. And together we've been able to, to be quite successful in, in our approach. So these are farms serving uh, the Seattle market. Um, these are farms that are diversified and sustainable, and these are um, farmers who are coming from both uh, traditional ag background um, and and who are and both and those who are also new to farming. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, you might say we have a real ragtag team, but yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of the folks that when they come uh, to work on one of our uh, our farms have absolutely no experience, and then on the other end we have you know folks that have been actively working in the fields for thirty plus years. Um, our focus is definitely on you know a diversified direct market type of approach um, and a diversified. Uh, sustainable cropping system. Right now, uh, we attend about 20 farmers markets a week um, up and down the Puget Sound area, which basically is uh, the border of Washington State and, and British Columbia, then down to the the municipal area of, of Seattle, that whole area. Um, so we attend about so 20 farmers markets a week. Um, we have three uh, community-supported agriculture programs where folks essentially get a share of our harvest by, you know, purchasing a, a weekly delivery of a box. Uh, we sell to a number of restaurants, uh, grocery stores. We have a U-Pick operation. Um, and one of our most successful ventures is we sell to a, a wide range of, of public and private schools, you know, ranging from preschool all the way up to colleges. And that's been a real, um, I guess, definitive program of ours is our farm-to-school program. And all this, all this, all these different marketing outlets. This is all joint marketing of the all the farms together, and all the fifty-one farmers together. Right. We all work together as one big team, um, and all of the farms there is some overlap. And, and the reasoning behind that, and, and I don't know what it's like, um, you know, on the East Coast, but I'm guessing it's pretty similar. Where, say, a uh, 22-year-old college graduate uh, gets out of school and decides that he or she wants to get into farming, but the barriers of entry are, are so large, whether it be the ability to afford land, whether it be the ability you know, to have the necessary infrastructure to run a viable um, you know, farming operation, or whether it be you know, just the simple knowledge, um, it's, it's a very daunting task for one person to try to take on. And so by working together, we're not only able to successfully, you know, grow and sell our food, but, you know, we're a leader among our peers and that, you know, most of the markets we go to, we're, we're either the top vendor or one of the top vendors. And so, um, I guess what I've seen is just this real remarkable ability of, of folks working together to, to run viable, uh, sustaining agricultural operations. And in our case, you know, being a nonprofit with so many community programs, at the end of the day, the growing and selling of food is what supports us. So we're not only, I guess, growing food as sustainably, you know, in, in the sense of, of using organic growing methods, but our organization itself, though a nonprofit, is self-sustaining in that, in the end, it's the food that keeps us all going. Um, so this is and a so, for instance, we might sell a bunch of carrots at a farmer's market, and a portion of that, that, that price then might go to support the manager of our food bank farm. And at that farm, all of the food is given to the you know, area food banks. And so 
it's kind of a unique model, but it's, I guess, almost going on a decade, so it seems to work. And so basically what you're expressing is that there's a, a tremendous uh, understanding of the social um, the social aspects of this work and the, and the, the power of collaboration and then um, similarly a commitment to that social aspect. It sounds also like you have um, a real um, commitment to the kind of cultural preservation of, of agriculture. I wonder if you could um, explain a little bit what you mean by that. Well, as far as cultural preservation, I mean, I guess it, it could be looked at in a number of ways. I mean, I feel, and I guess it's kind of the, the stance of our organization, you know, that our, our entire food pyramid, whether we want to admit it or not, rests on the shoulders of, of, immigrant, of immigrant farmers. And that's the case here in Washington. Um, that's the case, you know, in California. That's the case in the Midwest and the Southwest. I'm guessing that's in the East Coast as well. Um and so there is that sort of, I guess, cultural preservation of, uh, of, of wanting to promote and to support uh, the immigrant farmers that, that are stocking our grocery, our grocery store shelves and are, are you know, doing that hard work that maybe no one else wants to do. Um, on the other hand, or not the other hand, but in addition to, um, Washington State has a very large you know, indigenous population. Um, there's very... Uh, Many tribes that populate Western Washington, you know, mainly they're following the salmon back in back in the day, um, and so we've worked a lot with the tribes as well, uh, both, um, you know, kind of cultivating and promoting traditional foods, and then also trying to work to get healthier foods into into tribal um, areas as well. And so, what are so you're so you're actually choosing to grow food food crops that are culturally culturally appropriate to these different populations. You know, in some in some instances, yes. You know, f- for the most part, I think the, the natives here were foragers, and so a lot of that doesn't necessarily need to be, say, cultivated. Where you know the diet would consist mainly of things like salmon and berries and and forest products, you know, mushrooms and things like that. And so, a lot of that is still around in its natural state. But I think, you know, when you're talking about um, cultural awareness, just that I think that. In an area like ours where there is a large indigenous population, I think that they also need to be included in uh, any conversation that has to do with agriculture because they, for the most part, have been traditionally a land-based type of, of society as well where they're you know, either making a living off or subsisting off of the land. And so I think the connections between what we think of as agriculture and maybe uh, what they think of agriculture are, are maybe stronger than, than on the surface that might appear. So these um, these farms that you've managed to accumulate uh, sounds like over time. Um, what was the first one, and then how did you kind of progress to more and more? Like, where does this land come from? Well, um, at this point, you know, we lease all of the land that we're growing on. We're fortunate in that we're in some long-term stable leases. Um, you know, again, it, it's very challenging for for you know, especially young farmers to be able to just outright purchase land unless they're getting it from from their folks, you know, taking the farm over from their family. But it seems that most of the people that grow up on farms no longer want to farm. They want to get the heck out of there. Uh, so in our case, you know, we just, I guess one of our big, um, I don't know if you call it missions or mantras or whatever, is, you know, to start small but start something. And so in our case, you know, we started with two acres and then went to four and then, 
went to 54 and then went to 70 and then you know, now we're, we're getting close to 100 total acres of, of mi- mixed row crops, mainly vegetables and fruits uh, and some livestock. And so it's just been a slow, steady kind of growing into the markets that we've created uh, approach. And so it's, it's taken some time for sure. Um, but the way it's set up now, you know, we have uh, four distinct say little operations going on up and down uh, the the I-5 corridor, which is the, the population sort of center of, of Washington. Um, and the largest farm at this point is, you know, about 55 acres and the smallest is, is three. And so it, it varies greatly and each farm kind of has its own role. Uh, one just focuses on our CSA program. Uh, one just grows food for the food bank. And then, you know, one is kind of the, the powerhouse, the big farm, where most of the production happens and, and where most of our income comes from. Um, but, you know, when you combine them all together, it's, I guess at this point, it's at least uh, giving a lot of people jobs and, and, and a lot of other people food. And so, uh, again, it, it seems to be working. It's an awful lot of work. Sometimes I wonder if it's all worth it. But uh, every spring we get excited and, and flip open the seed catalogs again and start anew. So I guess it's, it's exciting enough to, to keep us going. Well, now, what I want to know is where did you come from? Like, what was your what was your beginning in all this work, and what was the kind of moment of inspiration that led that led you down this path and and to organize a heck of a lot of logistics around um, around local food? Well, um, you know, growing up, um, my whole father's side of the family were dryland ranchers in in southern Colorado. And my whole mother's side of the family were dryland farmers in eastern Colorado. And so basically going, you know, eight or nine generations back, everyone in my family were involved in agriculture in one way or another. Um, all of my family are, are probably more right-leaning than I am, and they're definitely, uh, you know, conventional farmers. And, you know, what I guess I learned growing up is that at the end of the day, you know, no matter what type of farmer a person might be, you know, his or whole his or her basic goal is to, is to provide for for his or her family. And so um, when I was growing up, I wanted nothing to do with agriculture because when I, you know, would go visit my grandma, it meant work. <laughs> when I'd go visit my grandpa, it meant work. And so um, as I got older, you know, I, I went to college and then went into graduate school and, and was more focused on environmental issues. Uh, I was in Alaska doing a lot of work on salmon restoration. Um, and I guess it just made sense to me that, that, I guess, one, it's in my blood, the agriculture, and two, that, say, environmental policy and agriculture don't have to be mutually exclusive and they don't necessarily have to be uh, pitted against one another. They can work together. And so I strongly feel that whether it's a conventional farmer or an organic farmer, you know, at the end of the day, the farmers are just trying to provide for their families and all of them work hard and, you know, use the tools that are available to them. And so I guess I feel growing up in that conventional setting and now being more of an organic farmer, that in my mind it's one and the same, but the inspiration was that I I can still work on environmental issues and I can still be a farmer at the same time. And so growing Washington was, I guess, my final graduate school project when I lived up in Alaska. I knew that I was going to come back down south and farm. Um, and so I started it, you know, right as I finished graduate school and, and then came down to Washington and put it into motion and slowly but surely it's, it's just been growing. So you started it while you were still in Alaska, just like on the internet? 
Well, I, you know, I did all the, the the paperwork for the IRS to to get the five hundred one c three. You know, and uh, during my graduate studies, you know, I was I was studying pub, public policy and nonprofit policy. So I did a lot of research on existing agricultural organizations. And you know, what I really wanted to do was have an organization that isn't so much a, an advocate group based out of you know a high rise in the middle of a city, but rather one that's kind of ingrained in agriculture. And that's really been I think our strongest um, asset is that not only are we a nonprofit, you know, working on things like transportation and marketing and, you know, f- uh, basic food processing and value-added processing and, and um, farm to school or, or general nutrition or policy things at the state and federal level, you know, we're also farming. And, and so rather than think of other farmers as like our constituents or our membership or something, you know, they're our peers. And so from working within agriculture, it's really easy for us to know what the issues are because we deal with them every day. Um, And in things like collaborative marketing and whatnot, you know, we know what's in season, what the going price is, what the case size is, you know, what's an unreasonable or reasonable expectation. And so I think by operating from within agriculture, it's really increased our legitimacy, both in terms of being effective and in terms of how other farmers view us, because they know that, you know, when Growing Washington shows up, we mean business, and that is, you know, in both a literal literal and, and figurative sense. Um, I think it's so, incredibly valuable to have that ground. Yeah, yeah, I guess I did start it from Alaska, but I, I took a lot of, of time researching, you know, how to set up a different type of, of organization that both could sustain itself and truly, you know, provide needed services to the people we want to serve who happen to be both farmers and our peers. Well, wow, it's really wonderful. It's really fabulous to, to see that vision made manifest and um, and also so clearly communicated. It's a wonderful website um, to learn more about this project. It's www.growingwashington.org. Um, if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you can just look at um, the buttons describing the farms and the bulk orders and the restaurant orders and the farmers markets and the farmer school farm to school program it's all very clearly um laid out and uh, and and obvious how committed these folks are to making their food system work um in case you didn't already know there's going to be a young farmers mixer on Vashon Island at the Grange Hall on October 4th and we're going oh, to I you know I would encourage you guys people are... to to travel across the world to come to Vashon Island. It's a it's a very unique little island just outside of Seattle. It's a, a great little ferry ride, and um, there's a neat, uh, strong movement of of young and and uh, innovative farmers there on that island. And so, um, I don't know if I'll necessarily be there, but I'll try. But I would encourage other people to be there. Um, yeah, it'd be a neat experience. Well, super. Thank you so much for joining us today. And yeah, no us, problem. Um, is there any event coming up for you guys that you'd like to have on the radio? You know, not necessarily, but we're out there selling our food in parking lots and streets every day. So if you're ever in uh, in Seattle or anywhere in the greater Puget Sound region, try to find us, and, and you'll likely find us uh, at, at a farmer's market selling some food. So uh, stop by and say hi. Uh, and uh, uh, it's really exciting to hear that you guys are, are doing what you're doing to to bring together young farmers and to, to give them support and, and resources. And so I've, I've, I've really come to, to appreciate the work that you all are doing and, and I commend you. Well, I think we're all, we're all on the right team and uh, we'll keep all, we'll all keep chugging along. 
Again, this has been Greenhorns Radio, coming to you today from Vashon Island, Washington, speaking with Growing Washington. Um, upcoming is our Vashon Island Young Farmers Mixer for all you Puget Sound type farmers. That's Monday, October 4th on the Vashon Grange Hall, which is right next to the ferry walking distance, and uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of meat on a grill. And uh, that's all for today. Talk to you next week on Greenhorn Radio. I want to go home.